Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Fruit Snacks, and today we're going to finish up this week looking at the omni-attributes of God. Today, we're going to dive into the deep end here a little bit and look at omniscience, the doctrine that God is all-knowing. Now, your dictionary definition of omniscience would probably be something along the lines of the following, that everything that God knows is true, and nothing that God knows is false. In other words, God doesn't have any bad information about anything. God knows everything that is true, and he only knows true things. On the face of it, that's fairly straightforward. But uh, just like all the other doctrines we've looked at, once you look at it a little bit more closely, you end up into some sort of philosophical or theological quagmire. And Omniscience is certainly no different than that. In fact, it might be one of the most hotly debated uh, of these attributes we've looked at this week because the notion of free will and whether or not we actually have it is all tied up into this doctrine of omniscience. So what do I mean by that? Well, if God knows everything, including what I will do before I do it, and I think that's fair because That's frankly the basis of all prophecy that we read about in the Bible, that God knows what will happen before it happens. So I think that's certainly a biblical thing to affirm. But if that's true, if God knows everything I'll do before I do it, then how can I say I have any free will? If God knows what I'll do before I do it, then I have to do it. Uh, And that makes me determined. That means that uh, I don't actually have free will in any common sense notion of the word. So the question then becomes, does foreknowledge and God's uh, foreknowledge and the fact that he knows these things, does that equal determinism? Should we all be determinists? Well, there's a few things that we need to consider in terms of rounding out a doctrine like this. We need to, just like always, approach things from the whole council of scripture and try to take other things that we see there into account. For instance, we know that the Bible actually assumes free will. And we know this because all throughout Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the the law and the blessings and cursings that God gives to his people, all the way through to the judgments that we see come upon the peoples that are not Israel in the Old Testament and even into the New Testament and how we are called to follow Christ and where Paul basically says to the Corinthians, I think it's in chapter 15, uh, stop sinning, just stop it. (laughs) as if it was in their power to do so. And so what we see again and again in Scripture is that people are rightly punished for bad moral choices, and they are rightly praised for good ones. And so the Bible sort of assumes that people should be praised for their own choices because those choices are theirs to make. If they were determined, then there really wouldn't be any such thing as personal responsibility. And we see that God in general, speaks to people as if they can choose. This is really part of the basis for his conversation with Adam and Eve right in the garden. God tells them 
what they should and should not do as if it was in their power to make that choice. And so there's just sort of this general assumption in the way the Bible is written, both from man and God's perspective, that free will is real. And so that shouldn't be discounted when we're thinking about this doctrine. Furthermore, Scripture seems to tell us that God's knowledge actually goes beyond just a simple kind of foreknowledge of just knowing what will happen in the future. And there's two very prominent examples that I can point to in Scripture. I would encourage you to read the full context, but 1 Samuel chapter 23 is really puzzling. I mean, really puzzling as we try to figure out God's foreknowledge and, and omniscience and how it works. Because in 1 Samuel 23, what happens is David and his men are on the run from Saul. They hole up in a city called Kila. And over the course of events, I'm, I'm giving the Reader's Digest version here, but over the course of the events, David gets word that Saul is on his way to the city. So David inquires of the Lord, hey, should I stay in the city or should I leave? And God tells him, you should leave. And then David follows up with a question and says, if I stay, will the men of Kila turn me over to Saul? Will they, will they give me up? And God says, yep, they will. If you stay, then you're, you're toast, basically. So that night, David and his men, they pack up and they leave. They sneak out of the city. And then Saul hears while he's still on his way to Kila, he never actually gets to the city. He hears that David and his men have snuck away and he turns around and he goes home. Now, what in the world are we to make of this? Because what that says to us is that not only did God know what would happen, but God knew what would happen if things were different, including things that never actually happened. Saul never actually made it to Kila and the men of Kila never actually were given a chance to turn over David. And yet God still said that he knew these things. In Matthew chapter 11, 23, Jesus says something incredible. If we're to take him at face value, he says that if the works that had been done in these cities that he was visiting had been done in Sodom, Sodom would not have been destroyed. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically the idea. How would Jesus know that? Now, some could say he's being hyperbolic, but I really don't think that the context warrants that kind of interpretation. It seems that Jesus is claiming to know what would happen if something had happened other than what happened. (laughs) So it seems that God not only knows what will happen, but he also knows what would happen if circumstances were different. Now, with regard to free will, we can therefore say, and I think biblically, because we have passages like 1 Samuel 23 and Matthew chapter 11, that God knows what I will freely do in any, or we could even say in every circumstance. So his knowing my choices doesn't have to determine them. Because if I had freely chosen to do differently, God would have known differently. So God's knowledge isn't what determines the content of my choices. Rather, it's almost the opposite. It's the content of my choices that, in a weird sort of way, determine what God knows. Because if I had chosen differently, God would have known differently. He can never be wrong about what he knows. This is mind-boggling. I I totally get that. And if you are interested in going even further down the rabbit hole, I would highly suggest a book book 
by William Lane Craig called The Only Wise God. Now, it is heady stuff, and it gets in even further into the philosophical foundations and the biblical foundations for this topic, but really sussing out what you believe about what God knows, about foreknowledge, about free will and his omniscience, and how all of these things work together is one of the most important doctrinal foundations that you can really dedicate yourself to because this drives so much of what you see in scripture and and frankly what you don't see in scripture if you're committed to a particular way of understanding god's knowledge it can it can hinder you uh, interpretively when you read scripture so i would encourage you as as difficult as it may be at times to really dedicate some time to figuring out what you believe about this doctrine and how that relates to what you believe about us as people and our relationship to God.